welcome to Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced and presented by women and gender diverse people at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on unceded Kulin Nations land and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Priya Kunjan. In this week's episode of Women on the Line, we're focusing on creative writing, incarceration, and abolition. I'm going to be joined by Anlise Afat, who has been involved in coordinating and editing a recently released collection of poems by community members on the inside called None of Us Are Free Until All of Us Are Free. This is the second edition of Poems from the Inside, published by Incendium Radical Library and Press, and has been in the making for over a year. The collection features creative writing from a number of contributors, including Stacey Stokes, who Annelise wrote to in preparation for the show to ask if she'd like to be interviewed. Stacey kindly gave us permission to include her thoughts on writing as part of this episode and asked that Annelise read them out. You'll hear this later in the show. Annelise, thank you so much for joining me to have this discussion today. Thanks for having me, Priya. Yeah, anytime. Um, it's also really cool that we get to have this chat as two broadcasters on 3CR, but also as folks who both do, you know, writing. And I've learned a lot from you in terms of being able to to write and make friendships with um, community members who are, you know, separated from the rest of us by the criminal punishment system. So perhaps we could start off by talking a little bit about the development of None of Us Are Free Until All of Us Are Free. So could you tell us a bit about the process of bringing together these collected works in a collaborative way with Friends Inside and also maybe a bit about the name as well? Sure. Well, firstly, maybe I'll speak about my involvement in it. Um, So I, I have not experienced incarceration my family has experienced racial profiling and from police, but so I just want to situate myself as someone who works in solidarity with people who are inside prisons. Um, and so some of the projects I do, Priya, you talked about letter writing with people inside. So I do letter writing, but I also at times I go into prisons and do therapeutic work. So that could look like group work or individual work. Um, from the request of people inside. So a few years ago, I was doing a therapeutic group with people inside prison and we started doing some um, collective writing together. And through that collective writing, people were showing me their work, both their individual work and then their collective work together. And I asked them if they if their work was going anywhere, like outside of the prison or, you know, what they were doing with their works. And, yeah, they talked about that it was often um, it stayed inside the prison often. And, yeah, we started having discussions about what a publication would look like or if people were interested in their works being published. And luckily... <laughs> Um, I was also and still continue to work in the Incendium Radical Library publishing project. And so I asked people inside if they would like their work published into a booklet. And so we started working together um, over those few years to yeah, release people's words inside into a booklet. And the first one was released in 2020. And then this second one in 2022, this year. <laughs> oh, my God. 
But yeah, it really is a project around just me sort of being guided by uh, people inside wants around publishing, around what they'd like to do with their writing, um, with their poetry, and sort of, yeah, people using me sort of as a vessel to, to publish or to express their words in the ways they'd like to. It is clearly very collaborative in terms of the way that it comes together and I think as well in the amount of time that it that it takes to put this together I know that you know the prison system adds all of these additional roadblocks and barriers to be able to do anything quickly but you can see the care that goes into it in terms of having that back and forth with folks about how they'd like things to be presented and you know putting that call out to folks seeing if they if they want to contribute I did want to go back to the name, though. What is the name? Where did the name come from? Well, I guess in terms of abolitionist ideas, it's a name that or it's a a phrase that is commonly used to express that in terms of how the criminal legal system works uh, and how people come to be incarcerated, that we know that this is because of dominator culture and the structures that we live within. And so... Yeah, the expression really is if you know, I have it here, none of us are free until all of us are free, that if we're on the outside and we are experiencing some forms of liberation and people are still inside prisons, that means we're also not free because we're, we're, we're still living in a world where prisons exist, which isn't a world of freedom. So I think, yeah, that expression for us, especially as people who are in solidarity, is to really think about how we're doing sort of um, liberation work out here and how we might connect with people inside to be doing that. I think that centering working towards collective liberation is so important, uh, especially for folks, you know, working in solidarity outside, because I think it is so important to emphasize that interdependency and interconnectedness and the idea that, you know, you can't separate your life from uh, you know, the conditions of possibility that allow you to be free while other people are unfree. So I guess that does bring me to thinking about some of what's included in the collection. And it was a really beautiful mixture of poetry and prose. And I think every author had a really unique way of conveying their thoughts and feelings and their experiences. I was wondering what role you see for creative practice, including writing in building an abolitionist future. It's such a great question to to ponder on um, and probably I would say best answered by people inside, um, but I'll have a go at it. I think like everything I know is learned from working on, alongside people inside and what I've seen is that creativity or in whatever forms that comes in is a way for people inside to have some sort of autonomy and agency like in an institution where that's deliberately taken away from them. And so, yeah, if we think about sort of abolitionist movements, yeah, we're wanting to think about autonomy and agency and how, yeah, we might create spaces for that where there is very little. And for us on the outside, uh, I do have a commitment to, you know, thinking about how I can support um, people inside to have spaces where that can happen without the eyes of the screws or... Um, whoever else is um, stopping things from um, or creating isolation, I guess, for people. And also, like, I am interested in if we're thinking about, like, 
prison abolition and other forms of abolition, that with abolition surely comes joy. And I think creativity um, is a pathway to joy often and also like a way to express pain. It's a testimony to pain. And I think in, yeah, in abolitionist sort of um, movements, we need to have both of those things, like expressions of joy and testimonies of pain. Uh, And I know for me personally, like I get that from creativity. You know, I don't often get that from what what would I call it? Like more structured <laughs> um, campaigning or something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, something that I really enjoyed reading the collection is, you know, there are these really deep, reflective and very, you know, like heartbreaking personal narratives that people are telling. But there are also stories and, and poems about folks being like, I hope I have heaps of orgasms when I, you know, when I um, am out of here and, and writing about, you know, having that space to be creative and find joy and be frivolous in an environment that is definitely, you know, anything but encouraging of frivolity, right? Completely. No, the stories in there are just, yeah, so incredible in like the the various themes that are covered you know people talking about the sort of daily life in prison and others talking about the future others talking about the past you know and what they've learned from the past and others talking about yeah their their partners and yeah their sex lives and I think it's a like a beautiful demonstration of humanness in a context that is trying to dehumanize people inside you know the words just show that people are full people and and those people um also are incarcerated people and it's yeah it's it's been an important project to hear those the voices of people who are incarcerated which is very far and few between unfortunately yeah and and without sort of reducing them to to one particular uh, portrayal of what it's like to be incarcerated. Yes. Because people's personalities really come through in the way that they write, and there's just so many different personalities that have come through both of these publications. You're listening to Women on the Line on your local community radio station with me, Priya. I've been speaking with Annelise Afat about her involvement in collaboratively bringing together a recently released collection of poems by community members who are either incarcerated or recently released called None of Us Are Free Until All of Us Are Free. Let's head back into that conversation now. One of the authors that is published in this collection, Stacey Stokes, has generously shared some of her thoughts on being involved in the project uh, with you to read out here. So For listeners who might not be familiar with the way that interviewing works, if you're trying to engage in this sort of across uh, prison walls, uh, the way that we organized this was that I spoke to Annelise about asking if somebody, uh, you know, might be interested in talking about these these issues. And Annelise wrote up some questions and sent them through to Stacey. And Stacey sent through some written responses. So I'm going to read Annelise's questions and Annelise is going to read Stacey's responses. Thank you, Priya. And I just want to say too that Stacey, yeah, has asked me to read her words out. And it is just really difficult to do audio with people inside prisons. Like there's a lot of hurdles. And so 
if people are still inside it, I tend to ask them um, written interviews and ask who would, they would like to read out their responses. And Stacey had asked me to do that. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to mention as well, because that's something else that really goes missing in a lot of conversations about community members who are on the inside is the idea of, you know, asking them for consent about anything. Maybe, Annalise, do you want to start with Stacey's self-introduction? My name is Stacey Stokes. I am a 39-year-old M2F transgender person on hormone replacement therapy. I've been in jail about seven years now, all served in the men's prison system. What was it like to be involved in the poems from the Inside Number 2 project over mail during COVID? During COVID, the prison shut itself off from teachers and program facilitators, so no programs or classes were running. When COVID would find its way into the prison, things got even worse. All of us locked in ourselves 24-7. It was very boring. So the poems from the inside gave me some much-needed mental stimulation, a goal to work towards. What does it mean for you to have your words or stories published? It was really validating being part of this project, to have my words published, to have someone think what I'd written was worthwhile was massive for me. Writing has always just been an outlet and a way for me to express myself, but now I feel it could be so much more than that for me. Any thoughts on the significance or not of this for people inside prison? The police court and then prison breaks you down. You're constantly told you're terrible and in the end you feel like society's trash, forever unwanted and worthless. Having our words be seen as worthy of publishing restores some sense of our self-worth. We are seen by the community as something other than trash. We are seen as people. Are there any themes that you're writing to in the poems and stories that you included? The three pieces of writing I included are all focusing on a different theme. My grief is focusing on my life and how I came to this point. It's a work of self-reflection where the landing is pure fantasy, a work of fiction I had rattling around in my head. Snow White and the Seven Short Inmates is a mix of the two, a reflection of the world I now live in, twisted to a fantasy theme. This short story has now grown into a 25,000-word novella. It turns out I have a lot more to explore about my current living conditions. I think reducing it to a fairy tale was a safe way for me to approach the topic, both for me mentally and legally. What would you like people on the outside to know about you and your writing? My writing has been a lifeline for me. It's given me a renewed focus in life. When I'm free, I want to enroll in a Bachelor of Writing Publishing. I'd love to make a living out of this. It's really become my passion in life. Any other thoughts or comments? I love programs like this and wish corrections around initiatives like this to inspire inmates to aim for the future rather than drown in the sorrow and regret of the past. Women's on a line. <laughs> Women on the line. <laughs> that was really beautiful. I think it was just so generous of Stacey to give permission to, to sort of share her thoughts as part of this program because 
I think it's it's really useful to have an insight into the way that this creative expression and being able to share that creative expression with other people, you know, has an impact on on folks' lives. Um, so thank you, Annelise, for for writing those questions in and for for talking to Stacey about this. Yeah, no worries. It's yeah, I wish we could hear more from people inside. In the last book, we had someone who'd been released that we got to interview, which was really great. And someone who contributed has been recently released and hopefully we'll get to interview her, Priya, in the near future. She'd really like to talk about the project but just isn't quite ready um, at this stage. Yeah, of course. And I think something that is really beautiful as well about community radio in particular is that it does allow people to have a bit of a soft landing into engaging in media spaces and potentially being interviewed by folks that are members of various intersecting communities that they're a part of as well. I also wanted to to talk a little bit about this recent edition of Poems from the Inside and sales for that went into supporting the Inside Out newsletter, which is a quarterly newsletter by and for LGBTIQ plus folks, sister girls and brother boys incarcerated in prisons or detention centers. And I was hoping you could maybe speak to the importance of supporting this kind of publication, which is by and for uh, folks who are on the inside. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know about Inside Out, it's a excellent and wonderful publication. Everyone that I know inside or my friends inside just love Inside Out newsletter. And, you know, for us on the outside, I think all the time, right? About where where to put where to put our money, where to put my money. And um Inside Out is nearly always self-funded by just a very small collective. And so, you know, they send out hundreds of these newsletters across so-called Australia. And, yeah, it's a great project for this, for Poems on the Inside to support, to be able to get people, more people, those newsletters. And because the Inside Out newsletter is really made up of people inside writing to each other um, and sharing their, yeah, their news, their art, their writing, their thoughts, and yeah, there's a small collective on the outside who put that together and and print and then mail that out and a great collective to support, I think. Yeah. And, you know, once again, speaks to the importance of being able to, yeah, to be able to showcase your personality through your creative work in a place that really reduces, um, you know, our community members to to numbers and tries to uh, break people down. Yeah, I, I think being able to have avenues to express and also have that expression recognized seems really, really important. Is there anything else that you that you wanted to add that we haven't really discussed in terms of collaborating with folks to produce things like this or, or communicating with folks and, you know, trying to make sure that there is this sort of ethical and reciprocal kind of engagement? Yeah, absolutely. I think probably my most number one thing is I wouldn't be doing this project if if I wasn't asked to. And so I think I have a a big ethic around my position um, as someone who's in solidarity with people inside. And so always checking in with people, not replicating the power over um, that the prison system is doing. And so yeah, when people are wanting to do creative projects, 
how do we really center what they're wanting to do and how they're wanting to do it and doing so much asking and so much um, checking and consent and that is slow so these books take a long time because there's so much back and forth about how people would like their words to be edited and to be published and um, what parts they would like edited for some people they submit lots of work and we can't publish all of the work so like sending works back and and checking if that's okay that these ones were chosen and so yeah I think when people are going to be doing solidarity work with people inside keeping that in mind too that whatever is produced at the end probably can't have so much of like a rush date around it and if you go in with that mindset then you're probably going to maybe not be as respectful as we should be I guess Um, so really working at the pace of the prison system means things are really slow even with phone calls setting up phone calls can be slow so to really keep that in mind and to just yeah center people um, people inside and how they're wanting projects to be to be to be done and and really respecting that what I understand from that as well is the fact that rushing these kinds of things that not properly considering whether people consent to things being published in particular ways or making these you know editorial kind of decisions without having this back and forth and asking people if they're okay with it is really allowing or sort of leaning into the systems that already exist that are oppressing folks on the inside where you know people's consent is not sought for you know pretty much anything but yeah it's um it's like a whole ecosystem of behaviors that you kind of have to work against actively even when you're engaging in something like developing a collection of creative works where it might not be immediately obvious um, how much how much work and how much communication has to go into developing it yeah and even thinking you know this the second one happened during COVID and so the process was even slower than what it what the first one was and you know I think I, I struggled a little bit in that because I didn't want to let people down either so it's like we want to take the time but people also want their work published and so you know, having to really communicate what was happening on the outside with publishers, um, with printers was just, (laughs) yeah, there was a lot happening in that time. Um, So I'm really glad that it, it, it happened and that people's words are out there. Yeah, it is so beautiful. And I think just to wrap up, where can listeners find out more about Incendium Radical Library and Press and, um, you know, support the Inside Out newsletter And I'm going to ask if you are still reprinting, where can people get a copy? So amazingly, both one and two sold out in like, it was like within like three hours of going up and I did, I did a reprint of two and that also sold out in a very short amount of time. And in that, the bulk of the books also goes to the people inside and their families. And so I try and make it so the price pays for that so that people, of course, people who've contributed and their families aren't paying for a book. So, you know, once those are sent off, then, yeah, there's there's what's left and they uh, did sell out very quickly. Um, I have lots of people are saying I should get them reprinted, but, you know, we you need money for that. <laughs> so, um, 
hopefully that will happen. But, yeah, it does require money for that to happen. But, yeah, have a look out on the Instadium Radical Library and Press website and Instagram and it will go up there if they do get reprinted. I have put the call out for book number three, so hopefully that will happen over the coming year as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Annalise. I really appreciate you talking with me about this. And again, so appreciative of the communication you have with Stacey about bringing some of her thoughts into this as well, even if she wasn't able to join us directly. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Priya. It's been lovely talking to you. That's all we've got time for today on Women on the Line. In today's show, I was joined by Annalise Afat to discuss the collaborative development of a recently released collection of poems by community members on the inside called None of Us Are Free Until All of Us Are Free. Once again, I'd like to really thank Stacey Stokes for giving Annalise and I permission to read out her thoughts on contributing to the collection as part of this show. As Annalise mentioned during the interview, sales for None of Us Are Free Until All of Us Are Free have been going towards supporting the Inside Out newsletter, which is a quarterly newsletter by and for LGBTIQ plus folks, sister girls and brother boys incarcerated in prisons or detention centers. You can help cover the costs of producing Inside Out and find out more by heading to Inside Out Solidarity Network on Facebook or going to InsideOutAustralia.org. Women on the Line is produced and presented by women and gender diverse people in the studios of 3CR Community Radio on unceded Kulin Nations land. Women on the Line is broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network, and this is made possible with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Our theme music is by Ripley Kavara, and past programs can be downloaded at 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. I'm Priya Kunjan, and tune in to Women on the Line next week on your local community radio station. For now, let's head out with Out the Door by Emma Donovan and the Putbacks from the album Under These Streets.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.